0: What's up, everybody? Stuart Anderson here with just a short introduction to this new episode. We're grateful for all the help that you provided with our uh, safety and etiquette survey. I put together all of the results, and in this podcast, we talk about safety, etiquette, the law, everything that we hope that Midwelle riders will do to keep each other safe, uh, themselves safe, and get back home to families. Super fun episode talking about the survey results and talking about Utah law and maybe some fun (laughs) stories and etiquette things that will keep everybody safe. So we hope you enjoy the episode. It's about an hour. Uh, Hopefully this gets everybody on the same page for safety and riding in groups as we look forward to spring and being back together in team camp next week. So hope you enjoy the episode. Thanks for listening and uh, we'll see you later. All right, welcome everybody to Me Dwelle podcast, episode 14. Man, this has been a lot of work in the making, hasn't it? This has been the longest time between episodes we've ever had. Uh, it involved research projects, a lawyer, get ready. <laughs> uh, so we're going to be talking about safety and etiquette and hopefully getting everybody on the same page when we're back to riding in groups together as well as sharing all the advice that everybody shared in the survey uh, that went out a couple weeks ago. So super excited! We have a big group on today. Um, does everybody? How about everybody just introduces themselves and says something?
1: Uh, Aaron Jordan, uh, new to the group, started Zwifting with the group. Uh, I don't know, two winters ago. New Dave Sharp from a past life, and just enjoyed getting to know each other. Ridden the bike for a long time.
0: Aaron is just the man I uh we invited him on because of his experience I know Aaron's even managed a team before Aaron I mean were you like a team manager I've heard that in the in passing well
1: multiple, multiple teams yeah I've run some teams, teams. yep all right so yeah uh, run some race teams some try teams all that yeah cool
0: we're grateful for his experience today hopefully a, a lot of uh, good good advice how about you Greg you want to go next
2: you know, Aaron looks like he's run some teams before. Um, but, uh, (laughs) me, I'm just the guy that, you know, pedaling up the canyons and then gets passed by 10 me do guys, you know, (laughs) and I'm like, yeah, do I even dare sign up for this team or do I just look stupid or, you know, so I'm kind of like part of the group, but really not part of the group. Uh, but I'm, I'm an attorney, so I'm already kind of on the outside at hated individual. Um, but, uh, the only thing, the only reason cyclists even tolerate me is I do represent cyclists. Uh, when they get injured, um, I'm the guy they call, and I do have some knowledge of the road and what cyclists face out there, and so I'm able to help them kind of weave through the, the legal system and, and get, as a Siegfried and Jensen might say, you know, their fair compensation. Um, so.
1: And,
0: and uh, another claim to fame that Greg has, the current owner operator and manager of the five canyons suffer fest that's right you want to talk about that for a sec yeah thank
2: you you. i actually run a nonprofit called wheels of justice and wheels of justice is actually a pretty cool group in fact everyone should sign up it's not a competitor it's 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 just a way to say you know we're a strava club and if you want a t-shirt you can get a free t-shirt um just to stand up and say hey i care about child abuse i want to do something about it and the Five Canyons ride is uh, a way to, um, first of all, accomplish something pretty cool. It's, it goes up Little Cottonwood, Big Cottonwood, Mill Creek, Emigration, and City Creek all in a day. Um, so that's a hundred and-
1: That's
2: it? <laughs> 114-ish <laughs> miles, over 14,000 vert. Um, so it's a real challenge and, and it's meant to be a challenge because it's meant to show that uh, kids can overcome any kind of challenge and that there's no mountain high enough that will prevent us from from helping kids and next year we're going to be introducing a mountain bike challenge you'll run the same dates you'll go from park city and uh, meet at the Capitol um, on a very secret confidential route that we're working on right now mm. um, but if we have any mountain bikers in the group they should think about that but all the roadies should definitely um, you know, sign up for five canyons and and check off check off a a bucket list item and do something good
0: nice it is a great day very very fun um
3: okay chip um i just try to chase aaron on zwift that's my introduction (laughs) spencer chipping yep
0: yeah right it was said this morning this i think sums up aaron's zwift when he wants to win
1: he does yep (laughs) <laughs> that was not me that said that. That's not true. I'm an old man. I was good. I I was I'm true. a good pretender sometimes.
4: <laughs> All right, Jake. Uh, I'm Jake, and obviously you guys know me. I'm I guess them am the young gun around here and just try to keep up with these uh, old men here. So a bunch <laughs> of legends on the team. So nice. Hey, well, um, to get started, I wanted to run through a few.
0: Uh, statistics I found, and, and Greg Greg can kind of keep me in check here, but interesting statistic. Last year, there were 670 people died as a result of cycling crashes last year in America, and 95% of them were killed because uh, they didn't have helmets on. Kind of an interesting statistic there. In Utah, 465 car cyclist accidents with eight deaths in 2020 in Utah alone. So, um, We are very aware even of a lot of the people inside our group who crashed last year, Um, not car related, but uh, we had a few groups go down, uh, riding together just basic normal rides where we touched wheels or or crossed. And we thought it would be important to kind of hear from veterans, hear from everybody, what they do to stay safe. So uh, rules, And then we also have just basic etiquette where, oh, man, we were just overloaded with etiquette rules for just the weirdest stuff. I'm not calling you weird. We're really excited to talk about snot and lights and clothes and whatever. That'll come later in the podcast. But first, we're going to talk about um, essentials, essential safety standards that everybody should follow when we're together. Uh, So I'll kick off the first one. Uh, the most talked about thing that everybody shared is that in a group, you have to be predictable. Um, so what what that could mean, some of the things says is, you know, don't yo-yo, don't get on the front and like blast off thinking that you're going to drop the group because now you're fresh. Um, n- n- the, the things that cause crashes in groups kind of revolve around, unpredictable swerving or uh moving quickly when no one's behind you watching um but kind of in summary that that was a really hard hit thing that everybody talked about was being predictable in a group uh so maybe i'll start with with aaron um what like what does that mean to you aaron when when you hear that uh for
1: safety yeah i i i think that what i try to do when I ride is be smooth I always think about just being super smooth whether I'm in a pace line or on the front or sitting behind someone or you know mid-pack it's just be as smooth as I can be nothing you know don't overreact Um, if someone bumps shoulders with me we bump shoulders if um I, I, I'm starting to come up on someone, and I think someone mentioned this in a comment. I continue to pedal, but I start to pull my brake a little bit. So I'm pedaling against my brake, so I stay smooth. Um, the, you know, the, the big things, not overlapping wheels. I see a lot of this, and I've seen it with our crew, is the standing thing. Um, I don't know if anyone watches pro racing, but I've noticed the last three or four years, You'll see the guy on the front flicks both elbows. Have you noticed that? That's their standing. So I think that's been kind of now the, the thing that's moved the pro peloton is you flip both elbows before you stand. So I've actually started practicing that. Um, so, and when you stand, think in terms of your rear wheel is going to come back. So if mm-hmm. you're going to stand up, be smooth. So I think that's my one thing I always try to do and I've tried to kind of pride myself on is... Super smooth, super smooth.
0: Dude, that's like your life goal, be smooth. So.
1: <laughs> that's not what my ma- my wife oh, says, but okay. I, I've tried.
0: <laughs> Chip, what about you? What does it mean to be predictable in a group? What, like what should me midwelles consider doing when they're together?
3: Yeah, I think Aaron hit a lot right on the head. And I would just add to it that communication, there is no harm in... Um, Calling out what we are seeing um, is what I would add to the smoothness that that Aaron added there. But I I would also add this. Um, I think it's one thing to call out. Sometimes we actually just yell "Hey!" and draw attention, but nobody knows what you are yelling about in front of you. So you yell um, or whistle or yell or whatever the case may be but specific specific to what we're seeing and just so i would just say over communicating in a pace line is most helpful to me and my experience in a pace line so that we all know how to make our decisions coming up um that's what i would add to it nice um one thing that I love and I've seen crashes happen this way,
0: uh, there's one of these comments that says, it's always better, um, uh, or it says, know your limit. I've seen crashes because a person on the rivet physically overlapped a wheel, stood in a tight group, or did something stupid because they were physically spent and should have just sat up and let the group go. Sometimes that also happens on like long Saturday rides. You're just kind of like, you've lost that focus um, and I think that swerving and moving, and sometimes when we're together on those long rides, there's a lot of talking. So there's a lot of swerving and doing weird erratic behavior uh, that is very unpredictable and unsafe. Um, anything else, Jake or Greg, that you want to add to this?
4: You know, I would just, I think, just echo what uh, Chip and, and uh, Joreen have both said. I mean, I think um, obviously over communicating is super, super important. I think that like Jordan said, the standing thing is is kind of the new thing people are, are starting to use is that elbow flickering. I mean, me, I over communicate and say, Hey, standing and do the elbow. I try to do both. Um, but, uh, and, and I think also too, it's important, um, you know, as you ride in groups, I think the more you ride in groups, you should learn from these, you know, from everybody you, you, the more you ride in groups, the more you learn. And, and I think, I don't think you should stay stray away from groups, but Um, From my perspective, getting into cycling, the more I've ridden with like you, Stu, you, Chip, I mean, other people, I learn more and so I get more knowledge. And then I start, you know, wanting to pass it on to other people too. So, um, I I just think more communication obviously being smooth is very important, but, um, you know, come ride and learn from people, learn from these people, and hence we're having this podcast. I'm going to be learning a ton today. So,
1: yeah, I think, Jake, you bring up a really good point when I start. Uh, when I introduce someone into cycling or someone that's been riding a lot by themselves or maybe was a triathlete and now is riding a group, I'll say stuff like, uh, and we'll talk about Ben later, but when Ben was here, I would say, hey, just sit behind Ben. Look, oh. He's he's safe. He's going to be smooth. He's not going to do anything crazy. And you're going to see how to ride in a group. So you pick out someone that's experienced. You let them know, hey, you know, Bob is new. Well, you just kind of watch them today, help them, give them some, you know, tell them what, whatever, you know, half-willing is or how to point stuff out. But I, I, I try to pair people with an experienced writer so they can see what good looks like. I've done that a lot. Great
0: point. Great, Great. point. Greg, anything to
3: add?
2: I think you guys have covered the group writing predictability. I think we, we may cover this later. Predictability is also the most essential component to safe writing vis-a-vis motorists. Uh, and so if you're going to cover that later, I'll just, I'll just hold my tongue until then.
0: Okay. Yeah. Um, Aaron, I did put your comment in here about rolling over something instead of swerving. Do you want to do it now? Or should we save that teaser for the end?
1: Oh, we, we can talk about it. Um, so my buddy Ben that I just referred to, he's been my training partner for like 15 years. We, uh, we raced together on a team, pretty high level team. Um, and then we, retired from cycling and did triathlon together. And uh, Ben is super smooth. I, he's the person that I've always, that my wife, when she rides and Ben's in the group, she always rides with Ben. She's, she trusts his will. I trust him. But one day we're on Chalk Creek Canyon on our nerd TT bikes doing a, it was a triathlon day. There was like eight of us doing a pace line, coming down, we're going probably, I mean, think about Chalk Creek, you're rolling down in in TT bars, fit group, and rolling through, and a cat is coming across the road, okay? <laughs> so, Ben, no swerving, no wiping anyone else, he's just like, well, head down, Boom. <laughs> like hit the cat, cat tumbles, we all roll through, you know, we did the the hand signal, we slowed down, rolled back, cat was dead. But the cat gave its life so that we could all survive. If 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 in in all seriousness, if Ben would have panicked in that situation, um, it would have been carnage because yeah. everyone was on their, you know, TT bars, not touching the brakes, rolling through. So it was, it, he's known as the cat killer among the friends. But <laughs> that's that's an example of knowing when to you know, react to stuff that are just like, stay calm, smooth, deal with it and save the group.
0: You know, what's cool about the story though, is that there's no way that behavior happens without thinking about it and practicing before, you know, it was almost like Ben knew in his mind because of he'd walked through the scenario uh, and made the decision, you know, that, I mean, that is why I hope everyone kind of thinks about stuff like this before we go out when we hit those turkeys in immigration, you know what I'm not going to dude. I'm making Turkey dinner. Let's go.
2: <laughs> you should okay. know though, that the cat's family has contacted me regarding a loss,
3: <laughs> wrongful
2: <laughs> death. And so the okay. story
0: is not over. That's the end of the podcast. Thanks. Everybody. <laughs> um Thank Okay the second highest uh, rated or most talked about way to stay safe is obeying the law. And once we kind of got into the surveys, I realized that no one knows what that means. Um, Everybody put different things about what it means to obey the law. So um, I'm not going to call out bad answers. But Greg is here to kind of help us through what it means to obey the law, uh, specifically with riding to abreast, red lights, stop signs, yielding, who has the right-of-way, passing cars on the right. Uh, All of that stuff was addressed. And maybe we can just kind of work through it, Greg. Um, One of them that is, I know it's a huge thing, is what to do at red lights and stop signs for cyclists.
2: So I will, I'm going to qualify your statement by saying 90% of the time, the safest way to ride is by obeying the law because 10% of the time it's not. Uh, and, and, and I mean, that's the truth. Anytime you have to, when you're riding, you should know the laws, you should obey them, you should be predictable, but it's all about self-preservation, right? Self-preservation comes number one and common sense comes into play. So you need to do what you need to do to stay safe. I mean, killing cats may not be legal, you know, but, uh, but that was the safe move on Ben's part. Um, sometimes, you know, uh, riding in the middle of the lane is not, is not necessarily to go. The law requires us to ride as far right as possible. It does have some exceptions if there's debris in the road or whatever. It, and it, and, but sometimes the safest thing to do is to take the lane. Uh, if, if you have any concerns about visibility with cars behind you, uh, if you have any concerns about um, a parked car coming up or there's sporadic car, uh, parked cars, the last thing you want to be doing is bobbing and weeding in and out of the shoulder and back into the lane. In situations like that, or if the, if the road is really narrow, for example, uh, think, think, think about the top of Mill Creek. Do you want a, a, a car passing you, let alone a police car? We've dealt with that. Hmm. but. Do you want anybody passing you when you're on a road that's eight feet wide no so so you you got to take the lane um and that will accomplish a couple things it increases your visibility which is a huge huge um part of staying safe you want to be visible you want it and then predictable you're not going to be bobbing and weaving and then of course you're going to be avoiding debris on the right side of the road and we all know that the debris conti- uh, seems to become more prevalent the farther to the right you go mm-hmm. right so, so take the lane when necessary, be predictable. You mentioned helmets, Stu, helmets are key. Hel- um, helmets, um, first of all, I, I mean, I tell people wear a helmet, it will save your, if you don't wear a helmet, you know, you may die and worse, it's going to hurt your case. Um, because if you get hit and you, and you, and you want to go after the driver um, sometimes if you don't have a helmet, they can, they can apportion fault hmm. toward, toward you. Um, and, and, and kind of say, hey, you know, your damages are worse than they would have been. So anyway, you want, you want to wear a helmet, you want to be predictable. And you also, um, sometimes you have to do less than what the law require, uh, allows. Um, for example, the law does allow people to w- ride two abreast when you're not in, impeding traffic. This is a shocker to motorists. Motorists have this idea that cyclists can never ride two abreast. You can be in a shoulder that's eight feet wide and riding too abreast, not impeding traffic. And you'll have, I'm sure you'll all attest to this, some truck go by and loses mind because you're, you're riding too abreast. It's absolutely legal. Um, but sometimes you don't, it's just not safe to do it. Um, even, even if you're not necessarily impeding traffic. So sometimes you might do more than the law allows and less than the law requires just to stay safe. And, and I, so I would say, always keep that in the forefront of your mind. We know about the three foot law, that's critical. That hasn't been around for that long. Um, we're still trying to educate motorists. You'll see the license plates with the three foot distance on them to remind motorists. There's signs, we're we're working with um, UDOT and others to try to get more signs up to educate motorists. They don't, you know, a lot of motor, you can tell a cyclist when he's behind the wheel because he's the guy that's in the left lane when he's passing you. Um, the others are like, you know, just barnstorming, just coming so close, you feel like, you know, their side view mirror is going to hit your elbow or something like that. Um, but we can we can educate motorists as well. And then the other thing, too, is um, to, to just ride with respect. Uh, it, 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 it's not about necessarily owning the road or claiming your rights. And actually, um, Midwelle does this really well, I think. Anytime you're wearing a jersey where there's like a hundred other guys wearing the same jersey, whatever you do is going to be labeled on everybody else, right?
0: Those burrito guys.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And so you have one bad apple and then, and then it kind of taints the whole team. And not only does it taint the whole team, it taints all cyclists and, and then, and, and then motorists kind of become like our adversary is the craziest thing. I mean, I'm sure you've run into these motorists who feel like their mission in life is to teach us a lesson.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah.
2: And, and, and that, that turns into a dangerous situation. We've actually had cases where motors have intentionally drifted into cyclists. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's kind of shocking that that would ever happen, but that, that can happen. And so you mentioned stoplights and yield signs. I'll be completely honest with you. I mean, if it's an unattended intersection, I don't necessarily come and drop my foot and wait for three seconds and, and continue on. Right. Um, you know, I might roll slowly through the stop sign. Um, but, but if there, if there's a pedestrian there, if there's a car there, if there's anyone else there, I show respect by, by stopping. And I'll often wave to the car. If the, you know, um, if we're coming, you know, cars, I find are more than happy to kind of let you go through. And so you don't have to come through to a complete, I just bring up my hand and give them a wave and kind of assume the yield that they're going to give me. And when you do that, instead of them feeling like you're cheating them, or being a jerk, they're kind of like suddenly on your team, and, and they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, go on through, <laughs> you know, so, I mean, yeah. just, just think about being courteous, and then I guess the last thing I'd say is just remember also, the, the law considers you to be a motorist, all right, so if you can go into the left lane to turn left, you can do all those things, they, they you are, if you know how to drive, if you know the rules of the road, you know most of the rules of the road then for cycling, and um, you just have to obey those. And, and back to being safe, it's all about defensive driving. You want to get um, eye contact anytime you're going through an intersection. If there's, if there's someone else there, even if you have the right of way, I get cyclists hurt all the time when a car just doesn't see them They come in. If, they, they'll, they'll, if, you're, if they're coming, if the car's coming at you, sometimes they'll turn right in front of you and you'll end up T-boning them. Eye contact, if you do not have eye contact, assume they don't see you and just stop because they probably won't don't see so anyway that's a lot there we could we could go on and on but
3: yeah greg i do have one question on on those in the last two years some cyclists uh, i have i've heard on facebook groups and within our members that utah um passed something that in a stop sign intersection, stop sign only, not lights, but stop signs only, that a cyclist can pass through? Is this correct or is this false? Like let's take uh, you're on Wasatch Boulevard heading to uh, um, immigration, immigration, right? That's like the famous one or right next to Evergreen Junior High. Yes or actually that's a light. Yes or no, can you roll through or do you have to put a foot down?
2: The law says you have to come to a stop right now. There's been a push for about five years, every legislative session to pass what's known as the Idaho stop law, Mm. which allows cyclists to treat stop signs as yield signs. That um, came very close to passing last year. It finally got Mm. it out out of the Transportation Committee, died on the House floor on the final day Mm. of of the legislative session. It's still stuck in the Senate committee this year, um, the Transportation Committee, and we don't know if it's gonna get out of committee. But two years ago, we, we did get part of it passed where if you're at a stop light and you have waited, for, and this is, applies for uh, people 18 and above, if you're at a stop light and you've waited 90 seconds and the intersection is, is clear, a cyclist can proceed through the mm. light.
4: Wow. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's a pretty,
2: that's a pretty good thing. Because have you ever been, I mean, most lights, <laughs> the modern lights pick up a cyclist, but some of the lights you'll be, you know some boondock place and it doesn't change
4: yeah so yeah.
2: and it, th- th- that's an example of the law being amended to try to conform to practice mm-hmm. and common sense of course you can pass pass through the intersection safely if it's dead and you're just sitting there right right um that's what they're trying to do for stop too the mm-hmm. st- uh, uh, the, the idaho stop mm-hmm. um but uh so far it hasn't passed
4: greg greg i've got a question for you sure what about those, uh, I mean, we've all seen those, I, I vividly remember this picture of seeing this cyclist on the road and this big diesel truck go by and just blow the exhaust right into the biker. Mm. Um, I mean, I, it's happened to me before. I'm sure, I don't know if it's happened to you guys, but we, we see this more and more often now with these big trucks going through and, and you know spraying their diesel as they go by us. What's, what's the law behind that? Is that um, a criminal offense or what's, can you shed God. some light
2: on that? the rolling coal they call it they call that rolling coal and if you've ridden more than a few years you've you've experienced it um and uh it is illegal uh and but but very rarely do people get cited for it because um you have to be like you guys um to be able to catch a a truck (laughs) and, and get close enough to get the plate um and uh so often you know, it, 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 often you just have to, you, you just take it, you know, and, and that's an example of these motorists that just feel like if you're wearing Lycra, you know, you might as well have antlers or something, because <laughs> they're, they're, they're coming after you, um, so. Okay, yeah, I
0: like that. I think that's why all those TBD guys in California ride with those, every single one of them are, is an attorney, and they all ride with cameras front and back. Yep, yeah, mm-hmm. wow.
2: and, and, and you're talking about cameras uh, mounted on their, yeah, so those that's key because if you can just take a pick then yeah. then you're then you're in business because then not only can you get the plate but you can get the rolling coal mm-hmm. and and then and then uh, if you have a good relationship with the uh, your law enforcement officials they can do something about it and in in this area by the way holiday mill creek you know uh cottonwood heights whatever here just along the where the canyons are i found that law enforcement has really been helpful in responding to cyclist complaints, I have a very good relationship. In fact, I'll, every once in a while, I ride with um, UPD up Mill Creek, and um, and just kind of so they, they want to hear my feedback because I, I I hear a lot of feedback. Actually, I get some from Stu, I get some from other people. UPD, especially the Canyon Patrol, they're interested in the feedback. And ever since we had a little incident, uh, actually with some um, Midwelle uh, riders. Um, mm-hmm. With a police officer up on uh, at the top of Mill Creek canyon they've been bending over backwards to try to um, create a good working relationship and hear our input and do everything they can to help us so mm-hmm. I think it's a pretty good relationship if you ever are riding a canyon you see a, a police officer you should wave and tell them thank you for your service and and let them know that we appreciate their efforts mm-hmm.
0: great suggestion Jake's gonna carry a box of donuts Yes, sir. (laughs) I just had one. Um, So two things that I that I really want to share here um, that one of them came from Mike Hansen, which I think is so critical because of his experience. That's why I'm going to share it here. Um, Oftentimes I've heard that when cars get mad and do things to us, you know, I've heard guys suggest have that extra water bottle and just like put it in the side panel or squirted in the whatever and get pissed. And uh, I see that happen sometimes, you know, like truck driver gets mad at us. And so we chase him down and we're going to let him have it. Um, Mike Hansen gave this suggestion. He says, when something goes wrong, emotions can get heated. De-escalate, never escalate a dangerous situation. Um, I think that as a team, that should kind of be our credo. When things get weird with cars, um, I would hope that we would try to de-escalate and rather than be the guys who, I mean, I don't know what you do when our lives are in danger, but it's probably not worth chucking a water bottle into a dude's side panel. Uh, It's just my. And
2: and think about it from a common sense perspective. Who's going to win that battle? Right. right. You know, between a bicycle and a pickup, who's going to win? And, and. You, there are crazy people on the road. I mean, you hear yeah. about road rage incidents all the time because, and, and then they escalate because someone, after something, they, you know, they flip the bird or they swerve or whatever and it, and it, it doesn't make it better. And mm-hmm. so, and then, and then what's how's that driver going to interact with cyclists in the future? Yeah. I mean, you have to be good ambassadors, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And so, Stu, that's really good uh, advice. It takes a lot of self-control and you have to be a big man because, trust me, I've had my moments where I've wanted to kill um, uh, motorist who, you know, is pushing me off the road or what have you. Right. But it's just, it's foolish and it doesn't help.
0: I agree. All right, let's move on. We, uh, I'm going to have Aaron kind of help with this next one. The third uh, thing that is most talked about, most shared, is proper use of hand signals. Uh, I think everybody kind of believes and knows if you've ridden in a group, there's certain things you're supposed to be doing. Um, but there was some confusion as to what you're supposed to be doing. <laughs> Aaron, uh, thoughts on hand signals?
1: Okay, this is what I what I learned, like growing up on the bike, was um, you you literally you know use your right hand for a right hand turn, left hand for a left hand turn. You don't do the whole elementary school. Um, it's el- like right elbow, hand down first for stopping it is like that like like brushing with your hands for gravel mm-hmm. and it is like two fingers back and forth for railroad tracks and so i mean other than that it's slowing so it's pretty simple stuff but it's pointing out the potholes it's railroad tracks and gravel those are probably what i use most as well here in yeah. utah gravel <laughs> a lot and then um you know just pointing stuff out but I always signal um, when I, ha- I shouldn't say always signal, when I haven't signaled, I've gotten into trouble. I, yeah. uh, two months ago, riding with a good friend of mine, where I'm thinking, he knows where we're going. We've done this route a million times. We're coming up on a four-way stop, no cars. I start to, he's on my inside. I start to turn right. Tyler goes straight. So we hit each other. He's experienced. I'm experienced. We bumped rolled up together and I'm like oh man sorry we took the corner but if I would have just like signaled and not just had this assumption that he knew we were going then we would have been okay
0: yeah what do you guys do to signal that there's like a car in our lane or garbage can or a runner
1: I do it like a sweep you know like move back
3: as well as call out we we are pretty familiar with runner up that's yelled out a lot as we're going up canyons runner up car up car back we hear that a lot but what i was saying before again yelling heads up you're like everyone's nervous on the bike you got to specifically state car up car back
4: runner up runner back etc yeah Yeah. i mean kind of i kind of like really blatantly like point out if there's a big pile I mean I'll, I'll whatever side it is I'll use whatever side it is but just you know a big thing coming up I'll point you know pretty hard or pretty vividly just so it is pointed out I mean you know just a kind of a slight you know point out on the side I mean that would do it but I feel like there's a big pile or big rock in the middle of the road I've, I've witnessed a crash issue with the one of my buddies going down hitting a rock and it was I mean it was on both sides and so it was it was a really sticky situation but if we wouldn't have all gone like this, I mean, we would have all been kind of in the, the right-hand side of the rocks and it would have been game over for a lot of us. So. Yeah, I mean, hand signals kind of plays that bad
0: that bad telephone game, like where you're, you know, you're five or six guys back and all of a sudden that signal's not coming anymore, you know, when it, when it's um, big rocks or we're moving along.
1: Well, I think that's a good good point, Stu, is that a person on the front is responsible. Okay, so I signal, but realizing that I'm trusting that if it's a group of, you know, a two by two, that third guy, third person back is signaling, Mm -hmm. second to last person is signaling, it's a responsibility, it's you're putting, like, I am trusting that the people in front of me are looking out for me. And so you have to carry that responsibility.
0: I love that point. Um, anything else? Anything? Uh, any Anybody uh, want to talk about for hand signals or signaling stuff in a big group? I mean, that is a thing. If you are new, uh, you got to get used to it. And I love what Aaron says. You, you are responsible for that guy behind you.
3: Uh, I would add, don't feel uncomfortable if you're riding on the outside of the pace line, which would be the car side, not uh, mountain side, if you're riding two by two. Feel free to signal out of the line because you needed to grab your snack, tighten your shoe, adjust your helmet, put on your glasses. Now you've got some open space and you're not trying to do that in the pace line and you can signal yourself out of the pace line. You can signal yourself back into the pace line. That becomes really important in a race situation where they don't really know you going in and out, but, um,
4: it's a great nice. point That's good,
3: it's a great point okay uh number four
0: another huge one that everyone talked about getting half wheeled we saw a wreck <laughs> we got a, we saw, why are you laughing
1: <laughs> half wheeling oh
0: man we went down early in the spring last year because of this um uh so maybe someone describe what this means what does it mean to be half wheeled in a group
3: chip you bet uh, you're in a paceline, whether that is a single file or two by two, uh, or you're in a race and there's four across, you know. But a half wheel, your, your front wheel is halfway uh, over their back wheel. And this means that if the person in front of you or you yourself need to make a quick correction to the left or right, those half wheels are going to cross and you or both or more are going down.
1: Yeah. I, I, and I've always just called it, you know, overlap. Um, mm-hmm. cause and I'll talk about the other half wheel, but that, and, and the deal is chip is it's, it's almost always the person behind that goes down. I've been in a lot of, when I used to race crits, a lot of crits, uh, your RMR headed down, crosswind against the wall, start to overlap wheels. And it's the guy that, like, I've had my wheel hit. Yeah. And I was like, okay. And I hear behind me, I'm like, well, you keep rolling. But, um, <laughs> but that was the old me. Um, but, but yeah, that's really, really important to know and to be. And this goes back to riding under kind of duress. So if you get in over your head with a group, I've noticed this with new cyclists is they try to get closer and closer, you know, to, to save energy in the draft. And what they're doing is now they're overlapping wheels. So not only are they overlapping wheels, they're in over their head, their body's in dis- distress, Dress. they're not thinking clearly and they're, they're gonna go down. I watched it happen, tour Utah, you know, one of those uh, that you do before the stage or whatever. But halfway in, I had helped my buddy into a group. I'd actually like sat behind him and pushed him through some hills. We got into a group, and I was watching him. And we're all in a big single line, little crosswind. And I was watching him starting to overlap wheels. And I'm like, oh. and I'm like, Coop, Coop. And so I just started to slow down and back off. And uh, Mike Fogarty was behind me, super experienced. He backed off. boom, Coop overlapped wheels, crashes group kind of rolls. I'm like, all right, see you guys, I'll take care of my buddy. But it was because he was overlapping wheels, under duress, and just in over his head.
0: Yeah. I mean, this is, I crashed big. When I crashed big a few years ago, this is why. You know, it was end of a ride, overlapped a wheel. And once you touch wheels, it's really hard to get that balance back when you're that back guy. Yeah. Okay, we that is very clear then. We all understand what this means. Just give some space. That's all. Give some yeah. space
4: to the person in front of you. It's that simple.
0: Yeah. And and if you don't like the pace of what's happening, I I would just say to you just deal with it. You are in a group on a group ride, and so go to the back or swing out wide and just leave the group. I don't I mean, but pushing that person in front of you with that half wheel, that's just it's just dumb. Sure. It's just not smart. Okay. Uh, we already kind of talked about this earlier, but let's, let's do it. Uh, standing was a big thing that everyone talked about calling it out, uh, communicating that you're going to stand. So, I mean, you hit the S crew with sharp and you know, you know, he's going to stand, you know, it's, you know, that trombone is going to want to get a tune. The trombone wants a tune, man. And so he's out of the saddle and back comes that wheel. It's just boom. Um, so Aaron suggested the double elbow flick Uh, what else any other suggestions there when you're going to stand in a group
2: I like what what Aaron said I've always done I've just I've just signaled that I'm slowing down so they so they at least know I'm slowing and then they might not know why but they know I'm stopping and then I stand Mm -hmm. but I like the double elbow thing I've never heard that before
1: Yeah. I think that's pretty new in the Peloton. I watch way too much cycling on about four different apps that I'm paying for. But that, that flick, if you watch, watch, watch a stage. There's a stage, a race going on today. Watch it. And I bet you'll see it.
4: Yeah. I I think, I think the hard thing on that though, and I I would say, I mean, a lot of times, you know, we're not looking at the elbows people. Right. So, I mean, I mean, I mean, I found myself someone in front of me is what does the elbow flick and I may not have cash in it. So I think, obviously the elbow works, but communication, I think is just key too. you know, standing or slowing down. Like Greg said, you know, doing the slowdown thing, give you some room, but
1: and I think going back to personal accountability within the group. So if you're a smooth cyclist, you're not going to shoot your wheel backwards unless you're super fatigued. You mm-hmm. should be thinking in terms of, I'm going to, you almost try to push your bike forward yeah. and you stand up and I get mad at myself if I get tired and I, see, and I let myself do that. Like if I hear behind me mm-hmm. someone kind of, I'm like, ah, oh, that's really my fault. You know, I need to be more smooth and I need to signal what I'm doing. Mm-hmm.
0: Nice. Okay, one, there's one more item here for safety. And then we're going to move into like what I consider etiquette.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, there was a lot of talk about what is appropriate for music, earphones in a group. Yeah, Chip is shaking his head. That's a no go. If we are in a group, you do not have things in your ear holes. Yeah. So that's very simple. There's actually there's not a lot to talk about there.
4: <laughs> you don't wear music in the groups. No.
2: Yeah. And you need it's to just... think about whether you want to wear music, even if you're not in a group. Um, there are a lot of things that you hear as a cyclist that are important. Um, you hear cars way back. You hear a car if it's, if it's in the gravel you hear a lot of things that you will not hear if you've got headphones in. Yeah. So just think about that. I know it's tempting and uh, you can't live without your ACDC for more than 24 hours, um, but uh, uh, just just think about it. And in a group, absolutely unacceptable.
0: Yeah, Ed Troner suggested, ne- that was one of his uh, rules. No, no music ever, never yeah. have it in. yeah. Okay. Great. Okay. We good. We're going to move on. These are more of etiquette things like uh, keep you safe by not being a moron. So (laughs) um, the first one that I love was um, and these are in no particular order. So uh, any, anytime you want to chime in here, but someone said, don't show up to a ride with uh, being the guy with the crappy squeaky bike. Um, Any, any, I think that is hilarious. That um, come pre- come prepared. Uh, that is, I think, maybe at the top of your list if you're going to arrive at a group, uh, be ready with tubes and a tune bike and all the things. Any thoughts there?
2: Will you tell whoever submitted that that I am sorry? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah,
3: I think I think you should always be prepared for yourself at least and then maybe one other you know um but nothing's nothing's worse than you flatting holding up the group and borrowing somebody's gear to fix your bike um but i think that goes right alongside with having it tuned as well and you know the best the best um advice i would give on this point is Uh, My daughter is a ski racer and very competitive. Um, She has to tune her skis at the end of every day's training, which is almost four times per week. A bike is the exact same. You get your bike in your garage when you get home, and it will only take you five minutes to keep it lubed, cleaned off, and spinning properly versus waiting (laughs) 30 days until it starts making those noises.
0: I agree. You can have a crappy bike by yourself all day long. I don't care. <laughs> Just don't show up when we're together. <laughs> um, okay. This is a huge controversy. This must be a real sensitive spot. And we're going to let Jake lead this to the discussion.
3: discussion.
4: Oh, snot. Boy. <laughs> well, there, it's come to our attention that I guess snot rockets are a big thing in with, with cyclists. And uh, unfortunately, I, I I have to admit, I haven't, taken one in the face yet. So I, I I can't really speak to experiencing this, but I have seen them. I have seen people do them, but I will say, give this piece of advice. If you are going to snot rocket, like we kind of mentioned earlier, you know, veer out to the, to the left a little bit or to the far right, do your business, you know, whether that's snot rocket, do your, you know, your food, your water, whatever it is, change, taking off your vest on your ride, but just pull out, do your business. And then once you're done, come back in line, and, and regain the peloton. Don't snot rock when you're in the front, right in front of everybody. I mean, again, we've all seen it, witnessed it. I mean, I haven't experienced it, but I've witnessed it, and it's no bueno, man. So The guy that did it to me
0: at the Huntsman 140, this is what he said. After he blew snot on me, he goes, well, your day is going to be a lot better from here on out. <laughs> I was like, dude. It's
1: but disgusting.
0: it was... There were so many people that talked about this. Either everyone's paranoid or it's happened to them in the past. But, uh,
4: yeah, not a lot to talk about. It's just... It's even spitting, too. When you're spitting, pull out. You know, pull out on the side. Don't just spit right there, either.
1: And you know what, Jake? There really is a hand signal. Like, what you're supposed to do is, as you roll out, you you drag one arm out. It's almost like a uh, uh, fender. Okay. And you spit down the... And and then you you do it. But you've pulled out. We put that arm out so people know. Oh yeah, here comes Aaron's, you know, sinus issue, and then you pull back.
4: Um,
0: this is going to maybe lead to a discussion, but uh, it was brought up a bunch of times. You know, I arrive at immigration for a group ride, and the etiquette. What is the etiquette? What is the courtesy of the group? Um, how should I act when I don't? Let's just talk about like how does the group associate with people who maybe are new, they're gonna be dropped, they can't hang on the group, uh, people that are falling off the back. I mean, what, what advice would you give to somebody who is, um, I mean, courtesy, uh, team, team camaraderie. I mean, in what ways do a group work together to make sure that everything is um, safe and I guess fun, I, I don't know how else to put it. There was just a lot of talk about how they arrive at a group and they don't know how to act.
1: <laughs> Does that make well, sense? Yeah, I, well, some, some, again, sorry. Some things I've learned is, look, if I bring a guest to the ride, I'm responsible for the guest, okay? I can't drop the guest. I can't leave them in the second group. I can't roll over the top without them. I'm bringing a guest to the group, I'm responsible for the group. Second thing is expectations, like let them know what they're getting into. That's one of the nice things about Zwift. You, If you can read, then there's a description of what the ride will be. And so, you know, all right, man, I'm skipping this one, or I know what I'm getting into, but I think it should be the same. Like as you do your, uh, the morning rides of immigration or up Mill Creek, you know, just probably at the beginning of the season good time to hey guys you know we're we're burying it to the top and right. we're going to wait at the top or we're not you know but let's set expectations so then no one's disappointed they know what's coming on going on but i would say because this has happened to me where someone else has brought someone to a ride and i felt bad so i've helped them up the canyon or whatever yep. while you know their buddy is up the road duking it out for kom with Stu, and you know i'm sharing a water bottle or something
3: yeah
0: agreed it's nice of you um any other thoughts on that you guys okay all right so there's a few more here we'll we'll kind of blast through a huge one that everybody talked about was having lights uh just the etiquette of writing with lights any thoughts there
3: I think, once again, it's crucial that you are, uh, you know, I learned a saying from Dave Sharp that was one time, maybe more than one time I showed up without a light, um, oh, and boy. he would always say, riding on borrowed light this morning, huh, <laughs> and And uh, I felt so bad. Uh, I own many lights now, and uh <laughs> you have to have a light front and back
0: well the one of the things that a lot of people said was lights now are created in a way that dudes are riding with them in the day it's not just for dusk
2: that's what i was going to say Stu. so the law requires you to have a light front and back white and front red and back you know this five that can be seen from 500 feet away 30 minutes before sunrise 30 minutes after sunset that's what the law requires but you know you talk to an emergency room doctor they're not going to let their kids ride four wheelers you talk to an attorney who deals with cycling accidents you're going to see him wear a white light in a tail light at noon um because there's something and i and i have it on the flashing mode and the sporadic flash and there's something about that that gets motorists attention like nothing else and i we talked about eye contact and um Every once in a while, if my battery's dead or whatever, I won't ride with it, and I can tell there's a difference when the motor when I get the motor's attention. So, it's maybe not the coolest looking way to go, but um, it's definitely a safe way to uh, avoid accidents.
1: Yeah, I'm I you know grew up in the, I mean you talk about no helmets. I grew up in the winter. You wore a beanie. You hugged. The, the car side of the, the white line because the road was yours. So as I've mellowed and been nearly killed and watched people get hit, I've turned to like front and rear light. Every ride, uh, every one of my family has one. My responsibility is to make sure they're always charged. Um, and I, I swear it is like a game changer with so many distractions on the road now. And then the other thing is, They've gotten so small. And, and this, you can get these at so here's a hangar 15 thing. Specialized makes a set and on Traeger makes a set. Super light. It's the little plug-in thing. They last like 20 hours. Super bright. Every, you know, it is just to stay alive. It's just a no-brainer. And <laughs> and I and I'm seeing a lot more people with the rear, but I wish more people use the front. Cause as a cyclist, think about when you're riding, when you can see someone. I always see a cyclist that has the white flashing light. Yeah, That's easy. Yeah, the,
2: the front may be the most important, Aaron, because I talked about the right cross and the left cross, which are some of the most common bicycle accidents from with cars. And it's, it's the front light that prevents those.
0: OK, get your lights, charge them up. Chip Prior proper planning prevents piss-poor performance. It's another sharpism it is i use it with my kids all the time i think he's actually the only me dwelly that's been mentioned in every podcast he's yeah. got to feel good about that mm-hmm. <laughs> all right a couple more we're going to blast through them i thought this was an important thing uh don't, if you're gonna if you're in a group just eat in the back don't try to like be fumbling with food and bottles in the mid in the middle of the pack i love that idea don't be trying to put on glasses or doing something stupid with food in the middle um clothes uh uh you know thinking about more reflective gear and dressing accordingly i thought this was interesting that will keep you safe to dress accordingly proper eyewear proper gloves uh sunglasses in the right time so clothes will also keep us safe uh the last thing that i think is open for discussion and maybe we can talk about here is uh the way me ride descents so mm uh we had a big crash last year coming down big in an eight-man pace line which was just for no other reason than we were at the end of a ride and thought it'd be fun to hammer down a canyon uh so thoughts on safety on descents
3: you know this is probably personable for everybody and uh as i'm descending enjoying it it's so fun i um just have to think that i am not racing and i am going back to my house and that is most important than an extra one minute quicker on my descent and so are everyone in front of me and behind me
4: and i have to respect that so i was uh you know i was i witnessed that crash that she was talking about last year coming down big cottonwood and uh I, I before I witnessed that, I, I kind of felt like I was somewhat a superhuman, you know, descending down cans. I I mean I'm not gonna lie, I was probably one of those guys who would like to go fast. But I think until you see or put in that situation it's actually see someone skid out hundred feet on the asphalt, it changes your way of thinking about things and how you descend. And and for me now, descending down cans, I have a different approach of, you know, it's always okay to go slow. You don't need to be the fastest going down. And You know, give the person in front of you plenty of space. And as we've talked about multiple times in this, point things out. And, you know, as you're you're the front of the the leader coming down, you're responsible for the people behind you. And, uh, you know, and as you point out things in the front, I hope those people behind you will continue to point those things out going back down the pace line. And um, again, I I think until you see someone crash, maybe, I mean, Jordan, maybe you've seen plenty of crashes, but until you've been really put in that situation, even Stu, it's scary. I mean, it's really scares you and changes the way you look at things.
2: Yeah, it sucks. You know, if the the road's not closed and you're not a professional, set your PRs going up.
1: (laughs) Absolutely, yep. Hey, you know, and around here, there's so much wildlife. That's the other thing that that kind of keeps me pretty safe on the descents is I I see so many deer and, and other things. I don't want to be the dude that hits the deer i don't want to be ksl story you and, know
2: you know when david kirby hit the deer um yeah. was it last summer know, mm-hmm. yeah. i said you know david you know what the worst thing about hitting a deer is you can't sue him
3: i know that's <laughs> i was
0: thinking <laughs> you are gonna not have
4: yeah that was a bad idea could we could we talk on one more thing here maybe we would have a discussion, but pace lining one thing that I've come frequently come in and um, just have realized in pacelining is kind of this yo-yo effect, you know, as you're, you kind of transition from this person, you know, leading the front and the, and the second person takes over that person who is always taking over, always seems like they need to put the gas pedal down and then it leaves other people behind them chasing. And, um, I it goes back to, you know, Jordine's point being smooth. smooth, just transition. You don't need to put the pedal down as you're excelling out of this, this, uh, this pace line, just be smooth and rotate, you know, in kind of a circle. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah. And that's, I was lucky again, was mentored by some super experienced cyclists and it is being really smooth, communicating. And if someone is, is pulling through too hard, don't get caught in the trap of pulling through too hard. Let them pull through and sit on the front for a while, you know, roll up, take your time, you know, check under your elbow, roll over, uh, and then you've got to talk to people. You have to let people know, and this is the hard thing about writing with friends and people you respect. Is is you is I've had plenty of people say to me, "Hey, you were half-willing me," or "Look, you were pulling through too hard," or hmm. this. So you have to communicate that it's okay because we're doing it for each other, particularly new writers. But it's just a it's a bad habit, and I worry because camp's coming up. And I just think about some of those slightly downhill, like when you're heading into Littlefield, mm-hmm. scary fast, okay? And if you start to pace line and people get in over their head, I mean, it, it, it's going to bring up the point of overlapping wheels, half wheeling, um, getting getting in over your head, you know, being, pointing things out. So just, it's always better to be a little more cautious, but, that's where I go back to where I was taught just be really smooth and good things will happen.
0: Yeah. It's
1: great advice.
0: Thank you. Okay, guys, uh, unless there's anything else that kind of, I kind of work through it all here. We kind (laughs) of summarize most of the stuff. Um, I think more than anything, when we arrive at a group, um, you know, just being more aware of each other, the expectation of the group and maybe just reviewing a few things, especially if you're new, you've never been with us, just ask. Like, don't be a dumb dumb and
4: crash a group if you don't know what's going on. Well, so, link up with somebody. Link up yeah. with somebody that you, you know, you trust or think is experienced. All right.
1: Well, There's thanks for letting me part of this. This was awesome. Hey,
0: thanks. this was fun. You guys are so awesome. Let's be safe. Let's, uh, no, no, cra- no crashes 2021. So, um, all, right. Um, all right. Thanks, everybody. Appreciate thanks, it. Everybody. Thank you.